This is Hannah Lane. I'm here with Kara Lane. Um, Kara, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Kara, and I'm an artist and also assistant professor of visual art at Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego, California. Kara and I are just going to go through some questions about our education systems today and some of the reform going on in education today. So in the video RSA Animate, um, Changing Education Paradigms, Sir Ken Robinson explains his belief that many of the skills taught in schools today are outdated and don't prepare students for the modern workforce. So for example, um, divergent thinking is the skill of analyzing many possible viewpoints or solutions to a problem. Divergent thinking is one of many skills that is replacing, quote, factory line skills in today's workforce. More examples of modern skills are self-direction, collaboration, and innovation. Do you feel like modern skills were taught when you were in school? In other words, when you entered college or the workforce, do you, did you feel prepared by your school in areas like self-direction and divergent thinking? I feel like generally in um, definitely elementary education the idea for me that I was like told was that there's really one answer to things um and there's only like one right answer on the test circle it and you're correct versus like thinking of multiple answers and like weighing the pros and cons of different answers that could all answer one question is that kind of what you mean yeah um so do you think something else taught you those skills outside of school I think definitely work, like even my little part-time job at Barnes & Noble when I was in college, I feel like helped me learn that. Like I worked as a barista and there wasn't always one right way to complete a task. It was more about working with the team, figuring out the best way to do it and finding like pros and cons instead of just always having one right way to find a solution. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, did you Do you feel like teachers today are still working from an outdated model. I know you are a professor, so do you want to talk about how you try to encourage divergent thinking and if you think the other professors at your school do that in their classrooms? I don't know because a lot of my students, when they come in, they have like a bit, they're very stressed out, it seems like, to get the right answer or to like do the exact thing that I want them to do. And often, since I'm an art professor, I give them a prompt like, okay, paint a portrait of yourself using this color scheme. And they're like, well, does it need to be realistic or abstract? I'm like, I don't care. Just do whatever makes sense for you, keeping the heart of the problem or the assignment at, you know, at the forefront. But you can interpret it in many different ways. But I can see that they are really stressed out to do that. So I interpret that to mean that in other classes, they're not getting that kind of like they're not experiencing that kind of openness with what counts as like a good um, or successful project. They don't think that many different ways of interpreting the assignment can all be successful. Yeah, so that says to me that the like divergent thinking and self-direction are not taught so much in the younger grades or even yeah, in high school. Yeah, because they're like so extremely stressed out that they're going to get it wrong. Like I can see it in their eyes, their bodies tense up if they don't totally understand the assignment. So yeah, mm -hmm. clearly they're getting that message from somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
Richard and Rebecca Dufour describe a new design for schools called Professional Learning Communities, or PLCs. They believe that PLCs will be more like knowledge-sharing communities rather than simply factory-line models like traditional schools. An outline of the many cultural shifts from traditional schools to PLCs is on page 78 in Balanca and Brandt's 21st Century Skills. Um, I'll just give one example. A traditional school would believe teachers work best when they work alone, while a PLC would shift to teachers who work in isolation will never help all students learn at high levels. Teachers must take collective responsibility for their students. Can you describe the ways and the level to which you participate in collaboration regularly, either in the past as a student or now as a teacher? Um, yes. So I was, one thing I was going to say about collaboration is that I feel like as a student, I was always told, like, you need to collaborate on group projects because someday when you grow up, you know, whatever that means, you're going to have to work in team. And okay, I get that. But I feel like recently I've been thinking about the fact that it's not just that we're going to have to work in teams, but that it's good. It's a good thing to work in teams. Like it helps, you know, people get better solutions. So I feel like the narrative that I always heard as a student about collaboration is like, you just have to do it because it's a life skill. And, you know, it's just something you have to, you're going to have to learn versus like, this is a way for everyone to learn better. And this is a way for us to like have more diversity in our thinking. So that's one thing I was, I've been thinking recently about collaboration. Um, but for me at my school, we um, have a program called Teachers Noticing Teachers, where there'll be a small group of maybe like five to 10 teachers that will, or professors that will get together and talk about a new teaching strategy, a new pedagogical method, and just kind of, you know, form that kind of community that you're talking about. Yeah, I feel like it's just, there's just still this barrier between um, students feeling like they have to um, work together with a group because that's just what's good for them versus they're working together in order to develop equity with each other. So I feel like it can and it does maybe, but that can be more highlighted by a teacher or professor. Like we're doing this because it gives us better solutions, more creativity, better equity, better diversity. And do you think like teachers working together with one another to develop better methods for teaching can help them to address the students with more equity? I would definitely say so. I feel like the main reason why that doesn't happen is professors or teachers just feel like they don't have enough time to do that. And so mm -hmm. it really has to be prioritized um, to happen because we're, you know, we have so many other responsibilities, but I think it is important. We just need to like take the time to do it and like push past that barrier of like, Oh, I don't have any time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but we have been having a lot of um, Zoom uh, webinars recently. So I've gone to as many of those as possible. And for me, it doesn't always give me, you know, some brilliant eureka moment um, of like a new idea to try out. But it just helps me feel more um, like connected to um, the group and more just like supported as a teacher. This week, my classmates and I have had discussions regarding standards and objectives for students. According to DeFour and the Ohio Department of Education, objectives are a key component to student success because they help students define their purpose and priorities and assess their progress against a set expectation. 
However, objectives aren't always that simple when it comes to areas like social justice or social and emotional learning. Jackson is cited in the curriculum studies reader to believe that daily routines within the classroom are equally, if not more important, than content-based skills. What do you think are the limitations of objectives when it comes to goal setting and reaching success, both personally and in a group setting? I feel like especially in my field of visual art, all of the students should not really have the same objectives. For example, one student might want to paint something really realistically and that's their goal. And another student, they want to paint something really abstractly and that's their goal. And both of those have equal value. So I feel like whenever I say, you know, what, like, even the rubrics that I have now, um, sometimes I think to myself, okay, but this is, they are not exactly meeting the objectives, but this is a really good piece of artwork. So I feel like, um, I'm going to try to allow students to choose their own objectives in the future, because really, if they're making a good work of art, all of them should not have the same objectives. Mm. Yeah, so we've been discussing something called Understanding Design for Learning, or UDL, which is like creating a unique path to learning for every student. So it sounds like you're exploring those types of ideas, especially in art. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's a uh, group called BFA, MFA, PhD, that wrote a book called Making a Bean, and they um, actually built out a really extensive chart that students can choose objectives from their chart. So I'm thinking about using something like that. That's interesting. So do you think objectives do or can address the modern skills we discussed earlier, like innovation, creativity, problem solving? Yeah, I feel like it's just a little bit more work for the teacher to, if they're going to use such kind of abstract language for objectives, then it would be more work for them to like really assess whether the student is hitting that goal in a more abstract way versus being able to mm -hmm. just check off a bunch of boxes. Yeah, and that kind of goes along with um, what I was saying about social justice and social emotional learning is this, these are very new categories to have objectives and they are having a lot of discussions around how do we assess these Right, so there's more just a variety of objectives that they can choose for themselves versus having to, like, figure out if the student is meeting a very, very broad objective. Rose, Meyer, and Gordon explain the importance of emphasizing flexibility and individuality in modern educational reform. I quote, putting learners into categories is a flawed approach, both because it grossly oversimplifies and distorts the reality of those learners' experience, thereby leading educators to make groundless assumptions about the best way to teach them, and because it implies that learners in one category are somehow different from those in another category. And that's on page 49. In what ways were you treated as an individual in your early education, or weren't you? I'm not sure I remember uh, instances of being treated as an individual in early education besides things like just getting clarinet private lessons, which we had the privilege of um, getting in when I was in elementary school in upstate New York. But other than that, I don't have any, you know, really strong experiences of being treated as an individual. So I think from our um, earlier conversation, you said you allowed different opportunities than the other students in the class. Right. I don't have any memory of that now. Okay. Um, have you had any other experiences that included unique avenues for all learners to succeed 
in ways that are most helpful for them? Yeah, so in grad school, um, we would often have projects where we would work with the team to build our own seminar um, for the rest of the cohort. So myself and two other people would decide um, what we're going to do with this large chunk of time, like four and a half hours. So we'd often be able to go on field trips. We would watch movies sometimes, do games, do small discussions. So there was just like many to many different ways to interpret that. So it was really fun to see um, what different groups came up with. And we'd usually um, go through and do seminars just made by each other for about like the last four or five weeks of the semester. So that was always a really good experience. And I feel like we always learned a lot because we felt like we had a lot of agency in what was happening with the day. And Mm -hmm. we also felt the uh, pressure from our peers to make it a really good day, right? It's one Mm -hmm. thing if the professor um, has a seminar day that kind of flops and it's kind of boring and everyone's kind of tired the whole day. It's another thing if your peer does that. Like I feel like we had a lot of – not pressure exactly, but we just wanted to do well for our peers. Mm. Yeah. Um, so do you think approaches that allow students to choose their own path to learning or have a very individual approach, um, do you think with those types of approaches we lose skills like discipline or self-control? I feel like that does, um, I definitely see how that seems like the risk. Um, but in my experience, like, for example, in my painting classes, I have uh, I give students a list of about 15 different artists that work in a lot of different ways, and they get to choose five artists to research. So I give them constraints, um, but they still feel like they have a lot of agency in what artists they want to choose. And I feel like that is a huge factor in how their um, practice progresses throughout the semester. So I feel like some constraints can be useful, but really highlighting the fact that the students are making their own choices within those constraints is really productive. Um, Also in my classes, um, we do a critique um, to assess work instead of a test. Mm -hmm. So there's many different ways that you can do a critique and we'll go through, um, I, for me, there's about three different ways. So we'll go through those three different ways throughout the semester, but then towards the end of the semester for every single person, I say, okay, how would you like your work critiqued? And they get to choose from those three ways that we've already mm-hmm. critiqued what they want to do. So they feel like they're in control. They have power, but they still have kind of a framework to build from. They even, in a sense, choose how they're assessed. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, in some ways, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been good to yeah. have you. Thank you. These are such good questions. Very interesting.